0: Happy birthday, Arbutus. Yes. It's great to have this history with us today, reminding us of what God is doing in our lives. I want to share with you from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll get to that in a little bit, but I had a man come to me uh, quite a long time ago in despair, no hope in his life. In fact, he would go to bed every night praying that God would take him in his sleep, and he'd wake up the next morning alive and be angry because he was awake and because he was still alive and God didn't take him in his sleep. He had a faith in God, but it was, it was uh, shadowed by the events of his life that caused him great sadness and deep despair. We all need hope. Hope changes things. Hope makes a difference in our lives. And today I'm here to try to encourage you that there is hope no matter where you're at in your life. Things will change. They will get better. Sometimes they get worse before they get better. But one of these days things will be better no matter what happens in our lives. Praise his name. Uh, Think of this uh, Google commercial of uh, this man who has all these things go wrong in his life, you know, to Baseball goes through the window, and he Googles who can he get to repair that. And The last scene is his daughter on the steps of the house, and she's bawling, and her boyfriend's dumped her, and she doesn't know what to do, very hopeless. And dad Googles, how many boys are there in the world? And he shows her the answer, and he said, I like your odds. From hopelessness to and despair to great hope. I like your odds because God does give us hope. Praise his name. So, when have you experienced yourself or seen hopelessness in your life? Most of us at some point have been through something that has robbed us of our sense of hope. But I think of some Bible examples Abraham and Sarah. Wow, God made a huge promise. You're. Offspring will be like the sands of the sea, and she's 90 years old, and there's no baby. And I would say that's pretty hopeless. But in the midst of that, God brings them the child that he had promised, and a great nation is rendered forth from that. And from that lineage, we have our Savior Christ as well. Esther and Haman, that evil man, Haman, (laughs) who wanted to destroy the people of Israel in this Babylonian captivity. And Esther was used mightily by God. And where they thought there was no hope, things turned around and God delivered them. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He was hopeless in the sense, man, lions like to eat flesh, you know, and He's going to get thrown in there, and so he didn't know whether he was going to be smiling at the lions and trust, and God would deliver him, or whether he'd be uh, praising the God as uh, as the, his, his flesh was eaten. But he was, he had hope that God was going to be there with him. Jesus in the tomb was a time of hopelessness in the disciples' lives. They were struggling with what was going to happen, what was coming next. And uh, they were in great despair, and their hopeless turned to joy at one point. Paul in prison, Peter in prison, many of the early leaders, disciples of the, the church, uh, found times of great despair and struggle in their lives, but God did deliver them. Don Jacobson compiled a book called God Makes Lemonade, The Stories That Sweeten and Inspire And he says this, many of us are struggling with the lost jobs, broken families, illnesses or fading dreams. All we need is real encouragement and a little hope. And so he writes the stories to give you some encouragement and hope. And it does help us to hear those stories. The world is filled with what I call hope busters. There's things that really destroy our hope. And probably at the top of my list is the death of a loved one. Uh, I think of those little kids who went off to school at Sandy Hill Elementary School a few months ago and never returned, and the despair and hopelessness the parents faced in the hours and days that followed. Um, Senseless killings or other unexpected diseases that take people's lives. I pastored in Modoc, Indiana. How many know where Modoc is? Oh, there's a few people know Modoc. Take Route 1 South, Bluffton Road. You'll hit it eventually. 250 people. And uh, Zella was our church pianist. She was one of our Sunday school teachers. And she was our missionary president. And in December of the year, they discovered she had colon cancer. By March, she was gone. The Lord took her. We were perplexed by that, that death. It influenced our church, and we struggled with that. I struggled with it. I still remember the funeral today because, man, why did that happen? But it happened. Another hope buster is the complete loss of material goods, more Oklahoma, Alberta, Canada, the places there are forest fires, houses burning, we've seen the things on the news that catch our mind and eye, or life turns upside down and you end up in bankruptcy and you, there is no place to go. <clears throat> I saw in our prayer request that there was a family who was homeless now. It looked like a mom and dad and a couple of kids, and... Uh, I mentioned it in the first service, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, they've got some hope. People are helping them out. But that's a moment of despair, complete loss. Uh, trapped, finding no way out, feeling like you're stuck. A series of events occur in your life. The consequences of choices perhaps you made or others have made that you don't know what to do. Um uh, you don't know how to what to decide what to do no matter what you decide it's going to be a painful thing i'm reminded of a lady who came to me and her years after her first husband had died in a industrial accident tragic death she had two boys and she eventually remarried and her boys didn't accept the new husband they still were grieving the loss of their father and they're struggling with that and one of the boys in particular kind of shunned her, didn't want anything to do with her. Her heart was broken. She couldn't see the grandkids anymore, and she didn't know what to do. And no matter what she did, she could cut off ties with them. And But, man, that there wasn't a good choice. She felt rather hopeless in the circumstances. Received a letter from her this week, in fact. And this was about a year or so ago that I was seeing her in counseling, and things have turned around dramatically. Uh, some t- choices that she's made. Time, healing, wounds, things occurring, God working in her life. She's got hope. Things have turned around. But at that one point, she felt there was no way out. Now, the next hope buster is abuse. I have to talk about abuse just for a moment because it really... Robs people of hopes at times, and there's all kinds of abuse abuse in children, abuse in jobs abuse by neighbors um, I, <laughs> I had a, a years ago I had a man come to me, and he was livid. His neighbor was uh, raising the backyard by hauling in dirt and he was the man, neighbor was tired of water being in his backyard. well, guess where the water went. <laughs> Yeah, next door. And my client had reached a point of terrible despair and felt abused by his neighbor, and he couldn't do anything about it other than create more drainage for his yard. Crumbling relationships, broken families are a hope buster. Uh, real common scenario coming into my office is infidelity. Um, people who have stepped out on their Husband or wife, and it's devastating. Uh, the consequences of that are deeply uh, affecting people's lives. Not only the two people involved, but others as well. Um, neglectful parents, people who don't feel love, people who have nobody's res- nobody's respecting their them in their life, or their children, or their spouse, or their employer, or their co-workers, and they feel no respect. The next hope buster is the loss of self worth, beaten down by the words that have enslaved you for years, and you don't feel any sense of worth within yourself. Uh, that destroys hope in your life. <clears throat> Fading dreams. Uh, your plans and hopes have been dashed. All the things you had hoped for in your life just didn't work out. When I was studying my counseling degree, one of the courses I had to take was career counseling. And uh, one of the exercises we had to do was we had to imagine what we thought our life would be like in five years. What we wanted it to be like. What we hoped that it would be like. And uh, we all had to write this out and turn it in. Professor, well, I, five years later, I, I took that out and looked at that, and most of those things came true. That was unbelievable. Uh, but Sometimes our dreams don't work that way, and uh, things happen. You lose the ability to do your job because of physical injuries. Um, Tragic things happen in our lives, and our dreams fade. You work hard and do a great job and get a college degree, and now you're looking for work, and there doesn't seem to be any jobs out there in your field, and your dreams are beginning to fade. The last one I have to put on there is selfishness. It's a little different than the others. Because, but our selfishness can be a hope buster. You know, I, I can make choices that are very self-centered and I drive people away in my life. And then I am without hope. I'm struggling and sad and I want relationship, but I don't know how to have it. And that selfishness is, can be very, very destructive. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13, Paul talks about some circumstances in the life of the Corinthian church, and I'm sure he's referring to his life as well. And I love these words because they have such impact on how the human experience is, even as we serve Christ. Uh, He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, or other translations, says earthen vessels, to show that this also passing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I love those. It has a, a poetry sense to it as I read it because of these opposites. Uh, he talks about them being like jars of clay and he's not talking here about fancy pottery that looks great and made by the best potters. It's just regular everyday earthenware that are usually broken up in shards when the archaeologists dig up a place and say, oh yeah, people used to live here and we can tell by the little pieces of pottery and how they made it and so forth. But uh, they're just fragile pieces of pottery that for everyday use. And Paul is saying, we're kind of like that. One person referred to us as cracked pots. these pieces of pottery that don't last. It's not that good. And as I was studying this and thinking about it, I the pastor's message last Sunday it kind of struck me, that video that he showed in the Father and the Son. The Father does the uh, amazing thing of taking a son through the triathlon, pulls him on the boat, uh, rides him on the bicycle, carries him on the, uh, the run, carry, pushes him with, in the wheelchair. Amazing story, and I had a little bit of problem with it. My problem was I see myself as a guy pushing the wheelchair and pulling the boat. But in a spiritual sense, I'm really that guy on the front who can't really do anything on my own, and I need God in my life. I'm really kind of like this jar of clay, this cracked pot that doesn't—it's not—it's very fragile and doesn't hold up really, very well. Uh, it's not so pretty, but the treasure that we have in this jar of clay is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We're carrying it around within us. And we have it there. But Paul is saying, man, it's, it's tough because we're, just, we're so fragile. Uh, the uh, second one is hard-pressed. Uh, he said we're hard-pressed. Dif- difficult circumstances come along the way. Uh, there are probably people that I know, there were people that hated them and wanted to destroy their lives because of their faith in Christ. Uh, that's pretty hard stuff. I don't know what's pressing down on your life, but think about these words. Uh, Paul said, we're perplexed, uh, like the woman with her sons. That's a great perplexity. Uh, one of the common things we do as human beings is when trouble comes our way, we're asking God, why? Why, did, why does this have to happen to me? Why does this happen to happen to Zella and John? Zella and John, the, the woman I told you that had the colon cancer, she was 51 years old. And... Her and her husband had raised about 50 at different periods of time, about 50 foster care kids that had taken him to their home, plus raised their family They adopted two of those foster kids that were twins. And uh, they were just wonderful people. He was a farmer and a factory worker. Worked at uh, Warner Gear in, in uh, Muncie, Indiana. And he was at the verge of retirement, close to retirement in his Career. And they had decided, I remember them telling me this, this is our last year. We're not taking on any more foster kids. We're going to start doing some traveling and enjoy life. And God takes her. It was perplexing. We ask why. God would allow them to suffer, would well, allow me to suffer. I lost my missionary <laughs> president and my church pianist. Uh and in a little church, they're not very easy to find. <laughs> uh, not the blessing that we have here at Grace Point. Uh, the next one that Paul said that they struggled with was persecution, were persecuted. Uh, they knew what imprisonment was like. Paul knew what it was like to be driven out of town because of his preaching of the gospel, threats against his life, persecution. Do you feel persecution? Are you in a place in your life where Somebody is persecuting you, perhaps. We don't see it like we used to see, but there are people around the world who are giving their life for Christ and they're facing great persecution. And some of you may have lost a job because you, uh, would, you're an honest person. You're going to live and do what is right. Or other things like that could have happened. The next phrase is struck down. Um, people beaten down by the things of life keep beating on them and not able to find their way out of that. And the next is, uh, we carry in our body the death of Jesus. And that's referring back to that jars of clay where the frailty that we have in this earthen vessel and uh, the death of Jesus, he's referring to preaching the gospel and carrying this gospel around. But sometimes... Uh, in that process, as Christ promised, we're going to suffer for His sake. If we serve Him, there are people who will hate us and despise us and will do all things evil to us. So we carry that suffering around with us. Well, praise the Lord that each of those words up there on the screen have another phrase that follows it. And I really like this. And this is that joy that comes to us. So we're... He says here... We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not, what? We're not crushed. I like that. In Romans 8.31, Paul says, What shall we say to these things? You know what it says? If God be for us, who can be against us? Paul realized that no matter what happens in life, the presence of the Lord is all that is... The most important thing in life and all that we need to hold on to. So Paul is saying, God is with me where I'm at. So I'm not Christ because he's there. He's there to lift me up. He's going to carry me through in those circumstances. Uh, the second phrase, perplexed, but not in despair. Wow. God is at work in my life, even in the most despairing moments. Six-year-old Catherine went to school at Sandy Hook Elementary and never came home. Her mother writes a story about those events in the Guidepost magazine, Jennifer Hubbard. She says her husband was in Spain on a business trip. She had sent her daughter to school without any thought that morning, and then got the phone call. Neighbor somebody said, hey, something's going on at the school. You better get up there. She waited around and watched other people embrace their children with great relief and enjoy that their child was alive. But as the hours moved on, the despair grew greater in her life, and she realized, came to the point where she was told, and it Finally, began. To really, she said it didn't really fully sink in until her husband got back from Spain. He flew back immediately, and when he got there, she, the weight of all that loss was, and despair was in her life, and she felt it. But she wrote these words as she told this story, and this is a quote out of the article. I know. That God has a specific purpose for us. And while I may not understand how I will muster the strength to fulfill His purpose, He will provide what I need to move forward. Wow. Not crushed, not in despair. The next phrase, persecuted, but not abandoned. Wow, even in the middle of persecution, God is there with us. Jesus was preparing His disciples for His death. He was trying to help them understand that they wouldn't be abandoned. There was a better day coming in John 16, uh, verse uh, 14, I believe it is. uh, Jesus prepares His disciples for this death, and He says, But your grief will turn to joy. And it did. When they realized all the empty tomb and they met with Jesus and what joy came into their life. They were not abandoned. God has plans for you. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14, uh, God says to the prophet Jeremiah to Israel, who was in captivity and they had lost everything. They were slaves now in a foreign country. And, and God says, I... Know the plans I have for you, or I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and will go and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me. You will search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place which I caused you to be carried away, captive. Wow, that's hope. It wasn't happening yet, but these were God's words to the people of Israel that they are not abandoned, that He was going to bring them back. The next phrase is, um, struck down, but not destroyed. Heaven is for real. You know, we can lose everything we've got, but if we've got, God in our life, there's something better ahead. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Put our treasure, even though it's in these earthen vessels, it's the gospel. It's the, the promises of God that we hold on to that make life worth living. takes us beyond. Ever so often, I have people come to me with very difficult circumstances in their life, and they don't have God. In fact, they may be atheists. They may not believe any eternal life. That's a whole lot harder to fix that hopelessness than when we have God in our life and we know that He's there and there is a, a better day coming. Heaven is for real. And then these jars of clay that we live in. Romans chapter 8 verses 18 through 25 Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption and the glorious liberty of the children of God, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs. I like that. Groans and labors. That, we're struggling sometimes with the, the world around us. Together until now, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. All that pain you're feeling today, the redemption of your body is coming. Praise the Lord. For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he does, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And we need perseverance in our lives, don't we? Well, there is a better day coming. Praise the Lord. You can hang on to that. I can promise it to you, but you've got to believe it. You've got to reach out. You know, we have stories of our own that inspire hope. You don't have to read the Guidepost magazine. We can encourage each other with that. That's good for you to read the Guidepost magazine. It may sound like I'm against Guidepost. But we need to hear these stories. And when God's done something in your life and turned your despair to joy, man, I need to hear that. You need to hear that. So that we lift each other up and encourage one another in our walk with Christ. I would encourage you, whatever you're struggling with today, whatever may be bringing despair and perplexity in your life, that you surrender it to God. Every day, give it to Him. Trust Him for it. For God knows what is best in our lives. And He will carry us through. Praise His name. You know, God is the recreator. He's not done creating. He's still changing lives. He's still making us more than what we are today if we trust Him. If we allow Him to move in our lives and to change us if we listen to what He has to say to us. In Revelations chapter 21, verses 3 through 5, there's a description in there that there is a better day coming. That God is going to change the world. And He says... uh, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain for the former things that passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He makes all things new. Whatever feels crumbled and decaying in your life, God, out of that crumbling and decay and bring new life and encourage us and help us to stand true in Charles Allen's book called God's Psychiatry he recounts the story of two young uh, two men who were asked to give a oration of the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd and one was a young man who was very well trained in oration and silver-tongued orator, and he got up and gave his rendition of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he was done, he had done such a great job that people just cheered and applauded and were moved by his oration. Later on, the second person was asked to get up and give his rendition of the 23rd Psalm, and he was an elderly gentleman. In fact, he was... Old enough, he was using a cane. He came up to the podium and he began to say the 23rd Psalm. When he was done, you could hear a pin drop. It was silence. People were not moved in the same way, but they were moved. And the young man got up and Tried to explain to the audience what would happen here, why they cheered so much for his, but they were moved to silence by the elderly gentleman's rendition. And he said this He said, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. If you want hope, connect with the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Praise His name. There's a lot of things we want, desire, and need in our life. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's hope for the hopeless. There's promise and future for those who feel like there's nothing ahead of you. Trust in Jesus. Stand on Him. The very first verse I read in 2 Corinthians 4 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay, to show this all-surpassing power is from God. He, in our weakness, shows His strength and His power. So whatever you're going through and whatever your struggle is, don't be afraid to admit it, but trust God, because He's going to show Himself through your life. Praise His name. We're going to conclude this morning with the song... On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sound. I thought that would be a good way for us to express our belief and our hope and our trust in Jesus. Let's stand together.